Well, it's good to see everybody here this morning. I'm not sure this may be first time in, seems like forever, that it maybe it's not raining outside. Better not say that. It may start, but I don't think so. But it is good to see you here this morning. This is our 20th, in case you were keeping count, this is our 20th installment in our lessons on the book of Hebrews. Now, for those of you that remember and were here back then, you remember that 11 years ago, the uh, first series I ever did when I became the full-time preacher, I did over the book of Hebrews. And so I'm sure some of you were thinking, well, he's just gotten lazy now. And so he's just repeating and he's just going to do the same thing, the same lessons that he did 11 years ago. Let me tell you this, though. 11 years ago, we did not do 20 lessons over the book of Hebrews. So some of it has been new and we're only in chapter 10. So we got lots more to go. I think the difference is, is that, you know, back then I was new. And so it was kind of like, well, I want to, I want to hurry up and I want to get this and this, and then we'll move on to something else. And now I realize I got time. You got time. I mean, unless y'all want to fire me, that's fine too. But you know, I got time. So, so we're going to, we're going to go through it a little slower and that's what we've been doing. But we noticed and we started talking about from the very beginning that our theme verses were out of chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, where he says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you or no one may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence that we had at first. And so that has been our theme this time as we have gone through the book of Hebrews. The first time we went through, if you remember, the theme was don't give up. Okay. And so the emphasis really the first time was that your responsibility, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. Now it's more like, you know what? We've got a responsibility to each other to help each other not give up. And I'm sure we stressed that the first time, but we've been really stressing that this time. And then we got into a few weeks ago, this section in chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, where we have these let us statements. And he says, beginning in verse 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You can go ahead, Johnny. So last week we started and we looked at, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We looked at that first part and we talked about the importance of being together, the importance of 
being at worship, the importance of being at Bible class, the importance of being together every opportunity that we can. It did not fall on, uh, I don't know if it was, I don't know what the case was, but it just so happened that last week as we talked about the importance of being here, it was our lowest attendance in quite some time. I don't know what that means, I don't, but that's just kind of how it fell. But what we talked about was that it's not just checking something off. Well, I went to church. But it's about what we are able to share with one another. It's about the encouragement that we give to one another. It, it, it's in our meeting together that we do all the other let us things that are mentioned in these passages. It's when we are together that we draw near to God individually and we draw near to God collectively and we encourage one another to draw near to God. It's when we meet together that we are able to encourage one another to hold unswervingly to the faith that we profess. It is when we meet together that we are able to consider one another and spur one another on to love and good deeds. I don't know exactly what happened last week, but, you know, I, 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 I ran out of time. You know, I, I looked up at the clock and, and it was already time to quit. And, and I had a couple more things to say. So, so we're starting with leftovers. Well, not really, but sort of. And the one thing that I, I really wanted to get in last week was I wanted to, to remind us, especially our younger families, our families that have young children, about the importance of making church attendance. And I know that sounds so cold. But... What we talked about last week is that it's more than that. But the importance of being here and the importance of your children being here. And what I wanted to remind us is something that Norman said, I don't know, umpteen times. May your children never remember a time when they did not go to church. I think that that is so important. It talks about, you remember, see what it says. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Some had gotten into the habit of not meeting together. Let me ask you something. Are all habits a bad thing? Nope. You in the habit of brushing your teeth? Is that a bad thing? I don't think so. You in the habit of taking a shower? I hope so. And it's a good thing. Are you in the habit? Now this took me a long, long time. Are you in the habit of putting your seatbelt on when you get in the car? It's become a habit, but it's a struggle. Even still for me. Especially if I'm just going from here to home. Put that seatbelt on. You see, habits can be a good thing. And if I were to tell you, well, you need to make it a habit of going to church and bringing your children to church. You may say to me, well, you know, church shouldn't be a habit. Church should be more than that. Church should be. Well, yeah. But getting in the habit is a good thing. 
It ought to be a family priority with you. Priority number one. We're going to meet with God's people when they meet. For our family, that's priority number one. And you know what I mean by that? It's kind of like, you know, in your family, you have financial priorities, right? For most of us, it's either our mortgage or our rent. You know, that is, that is, that's the number one bill we're going to pay. We're going to pay that. And we're going to pay our electricity, you know, whatever. And then, you know, at the end of the month or whatever else, well, then we'll see what we can do. We can go out to the movie or go out to eat or or whatever. But we're going to pay that number one bill, that number one priority. Most of you, now some of you may, most of you do not, when you get your paycheck, spend it on whatever you want to spend on and then hope at the end of the month there's enough money to pay the mortgage. Most of you are smarter than that. Most of you are more responsible than that. Okay, this is our financial priority and then everything else. Well, the same is true spiritually. And with our time. And with all the other things we have going on in our lives. Okay, family. And there would be nothing wrong with sitting down with the family and saying, we haven't done everything exactly quite right up to now. I don't know that we've ever discussed that this is our family priority, but we're going to do it now. Our family priority is going to be, we are going to meet with God's people when God's people meet. And then we can figure out what we're going to do with the rest of our time. But that time is going to be our priority. Not just so that we can check our attendance. But so that we can encourage and be encouraged by our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're moving now from the first part of verse 25 that says, let us not give up meeting together. But to the second part that says, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. And I know what some of you are thinking. How on earth can he preach another sermon on encouraging one another. That's what he's been doing ever since we began the book of Hebrews. You're right. But you know what? The writer of the book of Hebrews kept saying it over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. Like maybe it was kind of important. Now we looked at our key verse in chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Let us encourage one another as long as it is called today. And now we have this verse in chapter 10 and verse 25. I believe in in a sense that 3 and 13 and 10 and 25 are essentially the bookends of the book of Hebrews. And you say, well, that can't be right. Because there's chapters 1 through 3, 12 before that. And there's the rest of chapter 10, 11, 12, and 13 after this verse. Yeah, I get that. I understand that. But I think essentially these two verses bookend what the writer of Hebrews wanted us to know. And what was important to him and his people. And that is that we encourage one another. Now here it says, encourage one another as you see the day approaching. What's the day? What what day is the day? 
And you can read all kinds of commentaries. You can read everything. And, and you're going to get a couple different ideas. Essentially, they boil down to two possibilities. One is the day means the day of judgment. The day of Jesus' return, that he's coming back. The other is a little more technical. And it has to do with the day, perhaps meaning, when the Romans come in and destroy Jerusalem in 70 AD and they tear down the temple and, 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 and all of that. And of course, that would have been meaningful to these readers because they were Jewish by birth. And so the idea of Jerusalem being destroyed and the temple being torn down would have meant something to them. Now, I don't know specifically what the writer is talking about, but for our sake, we're going to look at it as Jesus' return, as the day of judgment. And what that does is it presents us with a, with a case for urgency as we encourage one another. I need to be urgent in my encouragement for you because you know what? The day of judgment is coming. I need to be urgent in my encouragement of you to hold on, to hold unswervingly to our hope because Jesus is coming back. And none of us want to be in want when that happens. So today we're going to spend a little more time talking about the responsibility that we have to encourage one another. And so first of all, we recognize that there is the command. It's just a reminder that encouraging one another is not optional. It's not one of those things that says, you know, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. But encouraging each other is extra. It's optional. If I feel like it. If I'm good at it, or whatever the case may be, you know, then I'll encourage people. He doesn't say in the book of Hebrews, does he? If you're good at it, if you have time. But over and over and over again, he says, encourage one another. Encourage each other. Paul says the same thing in 1 Thessalonians, beginning in chapter 3. Uh, beginning in chapter 4, verse 13, and going through 5 through 11. And I'm going to read all of it, okay? And the reason I'm going to read it is because it fits into what we're talking about. Now, you know these verses because they had to do with the coming of the Lord. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of the men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Therefore, we are, excuse me, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, as labor pains come on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, 
are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like you're not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us. That whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage each other and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. You see the similarity? That's why I think when it says, uh, encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I think the day has to do with the return of the Lord because Paul says the exact same thing in 1 Thessalonians. The Lord's coming, the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming. Encourage each other. Encourage each other. For us as Christians, the coming of the Lord is something that is encouraging. We ought to love his coming. We ought to long for his coming. We ought to expect his coming. Now, we've said this before. Is there a part of us that is like Paul in Philippians chapter 1 where he says, ah, I'm kind of between a rock and a hard place. On the one hand, I'm ready to go home and be with the Lord. But on the other hand, I still think that there's some things for me to do here. I feel that way. There are still things that I want to do. There are still things that I want to see. And so there's a sense in which I'm not ready to die. If that makes sense. I'd like to see my grandkids grow up. I'd like to be able to teach some more people. I'd like to see these young people that I'm working with. I'd like to see them grow up. There's things that I would like to do, but I tell you what, if the Lord wants to come back right now, praise God. Bring him on. Because I tell you what, there are some awful things out there in the world. While I want to watch my grandchildren grow up, it scares me to death. It frightens me. What is out there in the world? And while I may not want to die in that sense, although if he wants to take me, I'm good with it. There's still some things I'd rather do and I'd like to see. But if he wants to come back and take us all, hallelujah. And that is how we ought to encourage one another. We encourage one another and it is a command that we have. Secondly, there is also the concern that we have for one another. Why is it so important? And this is one of those, you know, every now and then, I don't know if you notice this, but every now and then I get ahead of myself. So maybe I got a little, I got a little into point two while I was still in point one, but that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Why is it so important that we encourage each other? It's because we must remember that the world is against us. The world is against us. Satan will use whatever he can. To pull us away from God. That's why he says at the beginning of this section, let us draw near to God. Because Satan is going to do everything he can to draw us away, pull us away from God. Why? 
Because he realizes that if he can draw us away from God, he can pick us off. We've, I've used this in illustrating before. You probably know where I'm coming from. But I'm not big into the natural, the National Geographic channel and all those kinds of things, you know. But every now and then I'll watch some of that. And I do like watching the lions hunt. And you've seen it. There's the flock or whatever they're called, herd. I guess it would be a herd of wildebeest or herd of antelope or herd of whatever it is. And the lions are there in the grass slinking around and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And and unless they are just at their wits end and they haven't had anything to eat forever, they don't just all of a sudden start charging the whole herd. They wait. And they wait until the sick one falls a little behind. Or the one that's not paying attention and the, and the herd has kind of moved along and he's still got his head down eating the grass and he realizes all of a sudden he's not with the rest of the herd anymore. They wait until they can pick one off from the rest of the herd and then they attack. That is exactly what Satan does with us. Satan knows. He's not an idiot. Remember that? Satan knows that together we are strong. But if he can separate us from each other, if he can pull us away from God, then we are much easier to pray. I don't think it's an accident that that's why Peter said that our adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Chances are he's not going to come and jump right in here in the midst of us and start devouring us. He's going to wait till we're out there and we're by ourselves and we're weak and we're cut off from the church family. And that's when he is going to attack. He may not get us. You know, Satan knows he may not get us to just all of a sudden turn evil. Yeah, I think that would be very hard for Satan to do to any of us in here, to be honest with you. Just all of a sudden, Satan takes hold of us and turns us into this overtly wicked, evil person. That's, that's probably not going to happen. But if he can get us to just drift away and drift away and drift away, then he's accomplished the same thing. He has drawn us away from God instead of being drawn to God. This world, there is so much out there to discourage and draw us away. That's why we watch out for each other. That's why we consider each other. That's why we protect each other. We're, we're very private people, aren't we? Most of us. Uh, you know, I really don't want you in my business. Okay? I don't want you meddling in my business. My business is my business. But you know what the scriptures clearly teach us? 
We are each other's business. We are each other's business. As an elder, a shepherd over the flock, you are my business. As a minister, you are my business. But forget that. Simply as a brother or sister in Christ, you are my business. And your business. And we don't just have the right. It is a responsibility. It is an obligation that we have to each other. To watch out and protect and encourage one another. Because my favorite hymn. Well, right now it changes day to day. But one of mine that has been my favorite hymn for a long, long time because it's an old, old song. And you like it too. I know you do. Is when we all get to heaven. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. When we all get to heaven. Man. Isn't that what we want? Well, then we need to help each other. We need to help each other. Be concerned for each other. And care about each other. And that leads us to the third point this morning. Besides the command, the concern, is the commitment. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take a little self-test. I want you to ask yourself this question. This week, I want you to think back on this week. Did you specifically encourage a brother or sister in Christ? Be honest. Some of you, many of you, maybe the answer is yes. Others, the answer may be no. Did you make a conscious effort to seek someone out that you knew was struggling and encourage them in some way? Remember, let's go back to the first point. It's not an option. It's a command. We have a command from God. To encourage each other. Now for some, it comes easy. Some people are just natural encouragers, aren't they? You just love being around them. You love seeing them coming because you know they're going to say something positive. And then there's others for whom it's a struggle. There are those who, when you see them coming, you try to find the nearest hallway. Because you know it's not going to be good. It's not going to be encouraging. I'm unfortunately more like the second. I hope you're not ducking into any hallways when you see me. But just because it's an effort. Just because it may not come natural. Doesn't mean we ought not work on it. Doesn't mean we ought not try and take uh, advantage of the opportunities that we have. Now, I want you to do another little thing for me. I want you to take out, if if you don't have your own paper and pen, I want you to take out one of the Tuesday night for the MasterCards in front of you. Okay? Normally I would say don't waste the Tuesday night for the MasterCards because I'm the one that has to print them and cut them. But since I'm the one that has to print them and cut them, I can make an exception. Take out one of the Tuesday night for the MasterCards or a pen and paper, whatever you got. We're going to do a little exercise here. 
Those of you educators, this is classwork that's going to lead to homework. Okay? Classwork that's going to lead to homework. First thing I want you to do, and I did this with the young people in the devotional not too long ago. I want you to look around. Look around. Really look around. Look around. Look around. I want you to find somebody that you know needs some encouragement. That you know. Something's going on in their lives. You know that they need some encouragement. If you don't know the people in here that well, well then just find somebody that you want to encourage. I'll encourage that person. Okay? All right, everybody got that? That was problem number one. Problem number two. You looked around, right? Everybody looked around? Okay. Somebody's paying attention. I want you to think about somebody that is not here. A member of our church, a member of our church family that is not here. That you know needs some encouragement. I want you to write their name down. I want you to write their name down. So you got two names so far. Everybody got two names. All right. Problem number three. I want you to think about your neighbors, your coworkers, schoolmates, family members perhaps. Who are not part of our church family. But you know are struggling. And you know need some encouragement. I want you to write their name down. So everybody ought to have three names. Somebody that's here that you want to encourage. Somebody that's a member of our church family that's not here that needs encouragement. And somebody outside our church family that needs encouragement. Now, here's the big part of the assignment. That was easy, wasn't it? That was easy? How are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? Write down. I'm going to encourage this person this way. It may be a card or a note, the old-fashioned kind, where you actually sit down and write with a pen and paper and put a stamp on it and mail it. It used to be a thing. It might be a telephone call. It might be a text. It might be a, a pat on the back, a hug. It may be a kind word when you see them. But write something specific. Because I have found, my own personal, a big goal, it just leaves it, it makes it harder to really accomplish. A specific goal? Uh Aha. I'm going to call so-and-so this week. Wow. You see how that's a lot better than I'm going to encourage so-and-so this week? It gives me something that I can actually say, accomplish that. Do that. Now, what I would encourage you to do, we're not going to do this every week, you know. 
I'd encourage you to think about that and do this every week. Now, some of you are out there saying, I already do this. I already do this. God bless you. Others of us need the more tangible help. Hopefully, if we can get into the habit of encouraging others, even if it's a homework assignment, if we can get into the habit of encouraging each other, then it will become part of our nature to encourage one another. And that is, I believe, what God wants. Our meeting together is so that we can encourage one another. But we need to be together. Our theme for our mission trip this year to Brazil was juntos. Which means together. And that's what we are. Together. And we encourage one another all the more. As we see the day approaching. So that we'll all get to heaven. If you're here this morning, we encourage you. We invite you to come now as we stand and as we sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at Field. Dot org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol dot com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.